let me begin by saying thank you to those of you who are here. I appreciate you uh, responding to our call. Um, I'm disappointed by the many who are not here. Um, so I'm asking myself, I'll be honest with you, what is it about a people who just don't take seriously um, when their pastor asks to please meet with them? We talked about this. We sent texts. We sent voice messages. We talked about it in church. But it looks like a whole bunch of people still didn't think uh, it was important to, to come tonight. I, I, I'm, I don't want you who are here, you've done well. Uh, but I just need to express sometimes my frustration as a pastor. Uh, I guess I cannot imagine myself being in a church and my pastor is asking to meet, and it's not every week, you know, once a quarter. Uh, and we just consistently, every quarter, just don't bother to take it seriously. Uh, so I'm, I'm spilling on you, but I want you to know I'm not talking to you about you because you're here, right? I want you to take the message to those who are not. And tell them, how come you didn't show up on Friday night? You know, and when the, when the pastor asked to meet with us, why wasn't that important? Okay? Because it is important to what God has called us to do. All right. Take good notes so you can share with those who are not here, please. Amen. But let me, let me tell you what my purpose is tonight. My purpose tonight is to ask all of you who are here uh, to make it yours and make it better. Say that. Make it yours, make it better. Amen. Make it yours and make it better. I'll tell you what it is later. But before I do, let me, let me explain. Or let's talk a little bit about the importance of organizational culture uh, to, the, to the organization and, and how it can impact the results that an organization or a church actually experiences. Uh, but first of all, someone kind of define for me what organizational culture is? Quickly, can someone tell me what that is? Uh, I met with a lot of the leaders sometime not too long ago, and we went over some of this. But do you remember, or do you you know from your own experience, what is an what? But do we mean by organizational culture? I'm sure you know. You just waiting for someone else to say it, right? So you say it, please. Yes, Hannibal. Okay, please. Do we have a mic that we can use? You know, I like interaction, so you do have to have a mic. Available, thank you. I would say a, a simple definition is the way we do it here. The way we do it here, okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, the way we do it here. So basically that's what the culture is. It has to do with the standard way we do things, right? And the attitude we demonstrate pretty much throughout the organization. This is how we do it. 
if, if, if the organizational culture is you always are late, then you're always late, right? You always start late. That becomes the expectation. We're going to start late. Uh, if the culture is you, you pay a lot of attention to planning and to details before you execute anything, then that's the way we do it. We don't do anything without planning. Uh, so it's the way we operate as an organization, the way we do things, the way we make decisions, the way we prioritize those decisions, the way we execute them, the way we relate to one another uh, in an organization, how we communicate with each other, all of those things become part of the culture, okay? And those things are based upon the shared values that we have or that the workers have in that organization. Now, this, this culture is extremely important. Now, many times we focus on programs. We want to have the best choir, so we invest in the choir. We want to have good preaching, so we choose a pastor, a preacher who hopefully is able to preach the word accurately and well. We want children's ministry, so we invest in, in so we, we can, we can focus on programs, and programs are important, uh, but the truth is programs by themselves will not produce the kind of results that we want unless there's the right culture that supports growth and, and optimal results. Um, there's, a, there's a good illustration for us if you were to think of culture, the culture of an organization, and liken it to the soil in which you plant seeds. Jesus gave the parable. He talked about the sower going to sow. And if you recall, it was the same sower. It was the same seed. So the quality of the programming, so to speak, was excellent. But the results were different. What accounted for the results being different? Even though it was a, the seed was the same quality programming, great programming, great sort, yet the results were different. And Jesus accounts for that as saying the reason for the different results was the quality of the soil. So you can take good programming, place it in bad soil, and you don't get the kind of results that you would have gotten if that same programming was put in quality soil. So there's this guy who gave a powerful illustration. He said his grandfather owned a farm, and the soil on his grandfather's farm was type A, you know, just top quality soil. His uncle, who lived not too far from his grandfather, also had a farm. But the soil that his uncle had was poor quality. It was a lot of clay. And so every year when they planted the seed, they always knew that even though it's the same seed, the same effort, the same equipment that was being planted in his grandfather's soil on his grandfather's farm as what was being planted on his uncle's farm, they always knew that his uncle's farm, his grandfather's farm, was going to produce more than twice as much than his uncle's. Same seed, same effort, same equipment, different results because the soil was different. If you 
take that now and apply that to, to the culture of an organization, a culture of a church. You can have two organizations, two churches in the same area and with the same caliber of, of preaching, the same caliber of music, the same caliber of programming. And one church can explode, grow, produce great results, while the other church with the same caliber of ministry and programming actually doesn't grow, if it grows, doesn't grow as much, or literally begins to die. What would account for the difference? Again, as in the farm illustration, the difference would be the culture. There are just certain things that can be present in the culture of an organization that works against productivity, growth, success, and increase. And so accepting that as, as being true, it means then if we as a church, harvest, really, really want to experience the full results of the programming that we have, get the full results in terms of the health of the church, the growth of the church. We want to see increase like we believe God would have us to experience. Then we cannot just focus on programs. I mean, we need to. Programming is important. We need to, to do that. But we've got to realize that there's something more foundational, fundamental, that will ultimately impact the net results of our efforts. So we need to pay attention to the culture of our organization and ask ourselves, are there some things in the culture of our organization that supports growth and supports health? If it does, please, let's keep developing those things. And then are there some things that really are undermining, weakening the results we're getting? And what are those things? And then. We have to be intentional about cultivating the kind of cultures within our organization that actually promote healthy growth within our church. Okay? So tonight, that's what we want to talk about, okay? Because I really want all of us who are here, I know some of you are leading ministries, some of you are members of ministries, some of you are church members who want to do more. Thank you again for coming. But... I want to challenge you and challenge me uh, to truly begin to help us develop the kind of culture that can truly support the kind of growth we believe God wants us to have as a church. Okay? And so when I said to you, I'm going to be asking you to help us make it yours and make it better, I'm really talking about Establishing, cultivating a culture here at Harvest of collaboration and a culture of continuous improvement, a culture of always making it better. Okay? Now, I said that we had already talked about making it better with some of the leaders here. Now, let me pause and ask one or two of you to tell me, since we had that conversation, is there one thing that you have, you have already done to make it better? If you have, please share that. 
That's again, we don't just want information, right? We want, we got to do things over a period of time for the culture to change. So I met with a group of our leaders and, and I asked them to, let's commit to making it better. It's been maybe at least two months or so, I think. So tell me one thing you've done since then to make it better. May we have more than one mic, please? Okay. Yeah, good evening, family. Uh, for the evangelism, I'm, uh, by the grace of God, the director of evangelism and community outreach. And we started a monthly training course for evangelism. So like the, the third, you know, the third Tuesday, right? So we had the, yeah, the first one this month, the third Tuesday. So it's a church-wide evangelism training because again, many people, maybe they're not evangelizing. So the more we know, then we can. So that's what we've embarked on. This week's ongoing. Okay, you, you started a training program? Yes. Okay. All right, please change that mic. Please give her one there. Thank you, appreciate that. Somebody else? Okay. It doesn't have to be a big change, but there was something. In fact, I want to see the small changes because many times that shows that when you're really serious, you're dealing with small things. Anybody else? Something small that you notice and you've already changed it or taken steps to change it to make it better. Am I to believe that in the last two months, no, nobody did anything better in your ministry? You saw nothing to improve? Okay, well, that's why we, we, we got, we, obviously, if the culture is we don't make things better, because based upon the response, and that's the culture we have here, we, we, don't, we don't make an effort, we don't intentionally look for things that we can improve, or we see things, but we don't make improvement, and that's one of the reasons why we're not getting maximum results, in spite of what I think is some very good programming here at the church. Yes, sir. Over the last couple of months, so I, the, the small group I lead, initially I was the one leading, but now I have the guys leading the group, so that's a change. So I don't have to necessarily lead a group. So what did you do to make things better? Um, I mean, I just say basically you guys are all ministers. Uh, trust the grace of God upon you, and that's it. So you made a decision that one way to make it better was to let some of the men lead rather than you doing all the leading. Yeah. That was a step to make it better. Okay, good. Somebody else? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, for the security, uh, one of the, one of the uh, minor changes that we did was to allow every uh, security member to sort of uh, 1045 to go to, into service or maybe come into the lobby to attend service. Okay, so you made a decision that going forward, it was important for the security men to also participate in the service. So at 1045, what happens? Everyone coming to the service, coming to the heart of nation to... Everybody comes from outside, inside? Yes. So what happens outside? <laughs> So at the time outside, 
uh, outside, we, we set it up in such a way that folks that come in go to a specific place where they can park. So there's nothing specifically happening outside. But what about security? I would, so we we're have, depending upon you to catch the guy before he gets inside. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that. That is that is that is being that is something that we, we we have to think through. But right now, we want to make sure that everybody get the word. So okay. that's the reason why we make that change. Okay, I appreciate you. Obviously, that's a need, right? The the the, the officers do need to participate in the church service. So that's a good thing. But at the same time, you got to consider the problem you've created, uh, and make sure that that problem is also. And that's a good example. Sometimes there are competing. Goals. Sometimes there are competing goals, and and to do one thing, you actually might be undermining something else. And it can be difficult sometimes to decide how to prioritize a particular goal, and we struggle with that. But that's something that we need to do, right? So you would need to be find a way to do both, because both are important, right? Yeah. Thank you, though. That's good. Somebody else? Yes. Uh -huh. For uh, children's ministry, we've developed a flow chart so everybody knows the chain of command. Uh, we're going to pass that out uh, the first Sunday in November. But we have that done. Okay, good. Somebody else tell me something. Not something big, just something small you did. Because I think when we're committed to doing the small things, we will do the big things. Very small, Bishop. Yeah. As a small group leader, thank God to Pastor Mema, um, WhatsApp. We right. used to meet on Zoom. Now WhatsApp, when you turn WhatsApp on, you can call all of them to come to the meeting. So I was a little discouraged because attendance was going down. But when I started using WhatsApp, it's, it's calling them to join the meeting. So attendance has increased. Look, okay. So something small made it better. Great. Okay, one or two more examples of... Okay, so we have, we, you see how important it is that you give your testimony? Because while one person giving their testimony, everybody else who have been provoked now to give their testimony. Go ahead, you have a mic, go ahead. In the, the couples ministry, we realized that communication was not, you know, like we wanted, so we improved our um, communication. We are communicating more, so the couples ministry is visible. And I believe it's working now because we have more couples um, signing in to join the meetings that we're having every month. Good. And Good. we have a meeting tomorrow. So if you're a couple here, please make sure that you are here tomorrow for the meeting. It's going to be a good one. I'm Good. communicating. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, for the Greeters Ministry, the small thing that we've done is increase... Uh, we wanted to increase our visibility, so we have more greeters uh, 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 greeting on Sundays. So we have two in the admin, two at the uh, the park, the walkway, and then two. And we're also looking to include the youth to walk around, and then also the table for the new uh, newcomers. So those is what what we've done. Good. Good. One, two more, and then we're done. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so, Bishop, for the media department, one of the things we want to do is track what's happening, especially when it comes to Sunday. So, we've created a document where we track how we did with audio, video projection, um, and it's in Google Drive. And the goal is that at the end of each service, we're asking our team leaders, especially for our production team, to make notes. So, if we had problems with the audio, what those problems were, and then assign 
someone to it, so that way we're able to know what happened and fix it before the next Sunday. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, Bishop, one of the things that we have been discussing with the whole service coordination piece is to digitize the entire timing and all of that so that instead of raising up a board, we will have a whole digital board that will be placed somewhere there to signal to you, you know, when your time comes to start, <laughs> when your time comes to end, and not just you, but everyone else that's taking part in the service. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. I think, okay, over here. Give it a, please give it a sis pat. Thank you. Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, I just want to focus on the senior harvesters. We have, in the past, trying to meet together. We have a lot of new members that came in, but we haven't been able to meet in a particular time and space and, you know. So we plan this next month, we're gonna have our Thanksgiving brunch. We have, a, um, we got good um, response so far. And at that meeting, we're gonna plan for next year what we, we would like to see happen in the silver harvesters, so. Good, um, yeah. good. All right, so thank you for those examples. Again, we're not talking about you or I doing this once in a while, a few times in the year, okay? When we say we want this to be a culture that we have here at Harvest, we want this to be the way we do things around here, right? Every ministry, as a ministry, you need to always be asking, how can we do this better next time? So if you have a program or you have an event today, ask yourself, how can we do this better next time or next week or next month or next quarter, you know, based upon the frequency? Ask the question, because many times until you ask the question, you won't, even, you won't know there's any, even a way to improve. Many times it's after you ask the questions, and sometimes you don't quite see how to improve. Your subconscious mind goes to work. And you may go to bed that night and wake up in the morning, boom, you have an idea of how you can make it better, right? Again, I think we got good programs here. We got good music. I think we got some good preaching. We got, we got a lot of good things happening. But if the soil in which these things are planted is not the best, then the amount of results we will get from our effort will be limited. Okay, so I'm saying again, I'm asking you, join me, join one another, let's join the Lord in this effort to develop this culture here of always making it better. Okay, and we'll look at a number of things that you really need to do to make this a reality. All right, so let me appeal again. Please, don't let this be one of those meetings you just hear and you don't do anything about it, okay? Every day, every day, think about what you do. And say, is there a way to make it better? Every time you do something, reflect afterwards. The next time we do this, how can we make it better? Don't be repeating the same mistakes over and over and over and over again just because you never ask, how can we make it better? 
Okay? Because that doesn't help us to grow. So here's my ask. In, in order to create this culture of, of continuous improvement, of, of making it better, uh, I'm asking you to make a commitment to make it yours. Okay? Make it yours. What do I mean by make it yours? The it there is Harvest Intercontinental Ministry Unlimited. If we truly, 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 as individuals, members of this church, are going to commit and make the effort that it takes to make it better, we have to first make it ours. Because if it's somebody else's, it's unlikely that you're going to put a lot of effort in making it better. If it's somebody else's, you're not going to be motivated. Uh, no, don't do nothing here. I'm not on this. I see people reading this. I haven't gotten to this yet. So take the, take the PowerPoint off, please. Yeah, they're trying to follow me. Okay. So, so we'll get to that if we have time. But hear what I'm saying to you directly. In order to really make this a reality where we commit to always make it better, we create a culture of continuous improvement here. Hmm? We really, really need to first make a commitment to make it ours. And it is Harvest Intercontinental Ministries Unlimited. Or let me say it differently. It is the vision, the mission that God has given this church. Make it yours. It's not Bishop Johnson's. Thank God this thing comes directly out of scripture. I can show you chapter and verse. Okay? Win the loss at all costs and make as many disciples for Christ as you possibly can in your generation. That's straight out of the Bible, right? It's just a paraphrase of the Great Commission. Okay? Well, that's the mission of Harvest. And I'm saying, since you're at Harvest, make it yours. Don't see it, well, it's the church's vision. And the church in your mind is something different, separate from you. You have your own vision, the church has his. Or you have your vision, Bishop Johnson has his. No. This vision is the Lord's vision, and it's in Scripture. All right? So make it this vision, yours, this mission. Make this vision a world where no one lives or dies without Christ. Bible, Bible, Bible. It's scripture, Scripture. That's what Jesus says to all of us. We just put it in those words. Make it yours. Because the truth is, it is yours. Jesus is the one who said, go into all the world and make disciples. He said, go and preach the gospel to all creatures. Make disciples of all nations. He says he came so that whosoever believed in him will not perish, right? So that is straight out of the Bible. So if, if it's out of the Bible, and Jesus has spoken to all of us, then I've made it mine, and therefore I'm, I'm committed to making it better. And if you haven't made it yours, if somehow you, you think, okay, I only attend the church, okay, you know, but I got a vision that is separate from the church. Okay? Are you trying to get 
if that's the way we approach this thing, we are, the culture we have is not going to support the kind of results that I believe God wants us to have. Okay, so say to the person next to you, make it yours. Amen? Make it yours because this vision, this mission originated not with us. It originated where? It began with God. And guess what? God knew that we all would be here today. I didn't know it. You didn't know it, but God knew. And if we believe that the Lord loves us and he's the one ordering our steps, then we know he ordered our steps here. Is there anybody here who doesn't believe the Lord ordered your steps here? Because if you don't believe it, you shouldn't be here. That's a reality, right? Why would you want to be somewhere that you don't believe the Lord ordered you to? Okay? So if you believe that the Lord is ordering your steps and the reason you're here at this time is because the Lord ordered your steps to this church at this time. Would you please raise your hand? Okay, okay some of you are not raising your hand. You're not sure? <laughs> I'm going to ask you to stand up because this is serious. I, I want us to, to understand the seriousness of this thing. Okay? Because all of us will give answer, we're answering to the Lord, right? It's not about Bishop Johnson. It's about the Lord. So I think everybody's standing and I, I hope I didn't force you to stand or you didn't stand just so you don't stand out. <laughs> but I believe everybody's standing because in your heart you really believe that the Lord ordered your steps. You wouldn't be here if he hadn't ordered your steps here, right? So if the Lord ordered your steps here and the vision that the Lord has given and the mission that God has given to this work is to win the laws at all costs, make as many disciples for Christ, a world where, do you think that if you order your steps here, and that's the mission, and that's the vision, is because he wants you to play a part in fulfilling that vision? So make it yours. Make it yours. You know, don't talk about the church in, in the third person. They, the church, they, no, we, us, ours. My, God's work. Amen. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Okay. So, if the Lord ordered your steps, and, and I think we all agree, he, he ordered our steps, and, you know, he could have ordered your steps for a period of time. You may not be here permanently. Maybe it's for one year, two years, three years, or for some of us, it's permanent. That's a glad ain't going nowhere. <laughs> By now she knows. <laughs> right? So for some of us, we know God ordered our steps here, and this is where we're going to spend our lives. Great. Make it yours. Okay, you're going to invest your whole life here, and you're not going to make it yours? Come on. Make it yours. Make the mission vision your own. All right? Some of you are here for a time. And the Lord may indeed order your steps somewhere else. But if the Lord ordered your steps here for a period of time, again, if he ordered your steps here for now, I guarantee you he didn't order your steps here 
to park you in a garage for you to just wait until he takes you somewhere else. Can be. If he order your steps here, whether it's for one year, two years, three years, five years, you can be sure that for the period of time he has ordered your steps here, there are two things he wants for you to do. One, he wants you to participate fully in the mission and the vision of this church while you're here. And Harvest is not a garage. It's not a parking lot. So if the Lord wanted you to park, he wouldn't have brought you here. Are you hearing me? Because we're winning the loss at what? All costs. We, we are working with the Lord to ensure that we make it as hard as possible for anyone to go to hell. Without first, well, for anyone to go to hell, period, right? That's what we're about. So he didn't bring you to a church that is about souls. Our business is so, so you can just sit and do nothing. So if he brought you here, for however long he's going to bring you here, and you don't know how long he's going to keep you here, you can, you can be sure of one thing, whether it's one year or ten years, while you're here, he brought you here to participate fully in what he is doing here and what he has called this church to do. All right? And then secondly, he's brought you here right now to prepare you for whatever he's going to do through you tomorrow. So all of us should be participating and all of us are being prepared for what he would do for us tomorrow. Now, he can do for us to, through us tomorrow right here. Or he can do through us some or someone else. But he brought us here to participate in what is happening and to prepare us for tomorrow. Participate now in what is happening now. And while you're participating now, he's preparing you for what he wants to do through you tomorrow. When, Daniel, when David was behind the sheep, he was doing the job of a shepherd. He did it with all of his heart taking care of sheep. Amen? By the same time, while he was taking care of sheep, God was preparing him for Goliath. All right? So, you're participating in killing the lion and killing the bear because the lion and the bear need to be killed today. At the same time, he's preparing you for Goliath. Whether Goliath is in this ministry here or Goliath is somewhere else, he's preparing you for Goliath. Mm -hmm. So don't waste the opportunity he has given you to participate in what he's doing now and in what he will do tomorrow. Make it your own. If you don't make it your own, you're not fully embracing the purpose for which God ordered your steps to this place. All right? Let me remind you of our mission. Win the loss at all costs and make as many disciples for Christ as we what? Possibly can in our generation. What is our vision? A world where God dies. Brothers and sisters, we're on the war front. We're on a rescue mission. The eternal destiny of many are at stake. And our business is soul business. 
My purpose tonight is to ask each of you to embrace this mission, embrace this business, embrace this assignment, make it yours. Make it yours, no matter where you are. Look at what's happening in Israel right now. All right? I mean, they are at war. And every Israelite, old, young, male, female, rich, poor, educated, they all have embraced the mission. Amen? And their mission is to ensure the survival of Israel. Okay, now, they're prepared, and many of them will die for the sake of this mission. Each person in Israel has made this fight their own. Because they know what is at stake, they've made it their own. Now, the prime minister is Netta. Now, before this war, there was a lot of opposition against him. The folks were protesting. Many people don't like him. Many people don't want him to be president. They don't, they don't feel good about him. They don't think he's making good decisions. They wish someone else was there, right? But they know how to separate their feelings about the prime minister from the mission. Hmm? Even their disagreement with some of the decisions he's made, they prepare, you know, they don't like it. They wish he wasn't making it. Some of them wish somebody else was prime minister. But in spite of their feelings towards him, they're able to separate their feelings about their leader from the mission. When it comes to the mission, each person has made it their own. And what the prime minister, whether they like the prime minister or not, nobody's staying home and saying, I don't like Netanyahu. Neten. <laughs> nobody's saying that, you know, before this war, he was making decisions. He was trying to take away our power. We don't care for this man. Therefore, let him go fight his war. When he called for them, everybody showed up. Now, let me bring it home. You like me or you don't like me? I know some of you love me, right? But I know some of you don't care too much for me, okay? Some of you feel you got the greatest pastor. Some of you feel you wish you had another pastor, okay? Yeah, I mean, I know that. Not everybody says good things about me behind my back. <laughs> Fine, you, you, you can feel how you feel. I wish you didn't feel negatively, but you may feel that. Maybe for one reason or another, I have given you cause to feel that way. Okay, but be able to separate your feelings for me, or your feelings for your ministry leader, or your feelings for your team leader, from the mission. Don't quit ministry because you don't like the team leader. A lot of you quit ministry just because you don't like the team leader. It's not always it's because you don't like bishops. Sometimes because you don't like your team leader. And sometimes because you don't like somebody else on the team, not even the team leader. <laughs> right? So you quit ministry. You stop showing up because you disagree with a decision. You, didn't, you don't feel the decision was the best. You shared your opinion and it disagreed with you, so you quit ministry. No! No! This thing we're involved in is too important. 
I mean, we're talking about souls. We're talking about the kingdom of God. Come on, guys. You don't quit. You don't surrender the mission. You don't give up on the vision. You don't walk away from your assignment. Okay, I assume you're there because you felt God put you there. Then why are you leaving because you don't like the, the, the leader or you don't like another team member? Boy, I will be long gone if I've made that the basis for pastoring y'all. <laughs> no. But you're not going to run me away, right? I love what Pastor Claire said. Even, you know, darling son Johnson himself cannot make her lead. The only way she will leave is if the Lord gave her a new assignment and he's not giving her anything. Because he would talk to me first. And when he talked to me, I would say, no, I have need of her. <laughs> no, but that's the truth, guys. You've got to separate your feelings about people or about decisions that we make from the mission, from the vision. Share your feelings, hopefully respectfully. Okay, share your ideas. Sometimes those ideas will be embraced and sometimes they will not. All right? But remember, make the mission and the vision yours because it is from the Lord and it is from the Lord to you. One more time, please say to the person, I encourage you, even when your feelings are hurt, even when your leaders don't do right in your eyes, even when you disagree with some of their decisions, remember this, the mission is yours. So let's, let's, let's embrace it. When the loss at all costs, make as many disciples, a world where no one lives or dies like Christ. Let's understand the magnitude of our assignment um, and let's make it ours in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you help us to be able to separate our feelings, our emotions, the way we think about people or feel about people from what you have given us to do. Give us the grace to stay focused and to stay committed because, Lord, ultimately, it's not about how I feel. It's about what you have given us to do and the mission that has been given to us in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. So remember that this business you're in is the Father's business. Because it's the Father's business, it's your business. This is what Jesus said, and this is our, our model. This is our example. Jesus said, I must be about my Father's Business, not my business, my father's business. He says, I did not come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You can't go until you finish his work. If you do, you're stepping in, you're stepping out of his will into disobedience. I know you, you feel justified, but you can't leave until you can say he's finished his work. Jesus said, my father is working, therefore I am working. Again, I told you, he didn't bring you here to park you. Because in this place, the father is working. Huh? 
in this place, the Father is working. So when you come here, he brought you here so you can work with the Father who is working. In Jesus' name. So with this in mind, listen, do not participate here in, in what God has us doing as a people. Don't participate here like many employees, the way they approach their jobs. Don't approach ministry here or your participation in the life of this church here. Don't approach that like many employees approach their jobs. Many times it's because, hey, I, I go to this work, I do this job because I need a job. I'm only here because I need the job. I'm here because, well, it's convenient. Or I'm here until I can find something I like better. No, no. If you make it yours, which you should, you will not approach what you do here with that attitude. Well, I'm just here until I can find a better church. Or I'm just here until, you know, because I got to have a church to go to on Sunday. So I just come on Sunday and leave. I just need a church to worship in, so I just show up and leave. Don't, don't expect anything from me. Okay? Or it's convenient. Well, it's the closest church here, so it's easier for me to go here, so I go there. That, don't approach this work, this assignment that God has given you, this mission that God has ordered your steps here for. Don't approach that with the kind of attitude. Why shouldn't you do that? Let me give you several reasons. One, don't approach it like an employee approaching a job that he just does because he needs a job. Because first of all, this is not just a job. This is not just a church. This is God's church. This is God's work. And this is something God has called you to. Whether it's for three years or for the rest of your life, God has called you to this while you I hear, as long as he has ordered your steps here, this is a calling that you have received from him. Don't approach it just like you approach, uh, uh, or employee may approach a job, because secondly, you are called, and you are called to glorify God in everything you do, to do everything in the name of Jesus. And there's no way you can do anything in the name of Jesus or glorify God in what you do if you approach it as though it's just a job. You approach it as though you're just an employee, just trying to make a living. No, no. This is God's work. This is God's church. This is not just a job. This is not just a church. This is God's church, and you are here because God ordered your steps here, and if God ordered your steps here, then this is a calling. And treat it as a calling, where you're making decisions concerning how you're going to spend your life and how you're going to relate to the church and how you're going to serve here. Remember, it's a calling from God for this season in your life to serve him here. And you ought to do it in his name and you ought to do it for his glory. That's the only motivation, right? The motivation that would glorify God 
is for you to be motivated to glorify him in what you do. It's not the applause of men that motivates you. It's not even an opportunity to minister. Well, I want opportunity to minister, so if I'm not getting an opportunity to minister, I'm going, oh, I'll, you know, let me say this. I hate it because it's so unscriptural. Don't go where you are tolerated. Go where you're celebrated. Jeez. That's why we can't, people can't be faithful and committed because they're looking for a way to be celebrated. No, it's Christ who should be celebrated, right? We want to be instruments that will cause men and women, boys and girls to do what? Celebrate Jesus. Amen. And here's another reason you shouldn't approach what you do here just as a job. is because of what you stand to gain or stand to lose. You see, when you do it for his glory, when you do it as a calling, when you're motivated by a sense that what I'm doing is not just a job, but this is for the glory of God, you stand to gain the eternal joy of participating in the saving of souls. May I repeat that? When you're motivated for the right reasons, then one of the things you gain is the eternal joy of knowing that you are participating in the salvation of souls. Here's the second thing you gain. You gain the benefits of the eternal rewards which God has promised to all those who serve him well. Amen? God has promised that he will reward those who serve him well. Doesn't have to do it. We didn't earn it. But he just rewards people. I guess that's just a way of encouraging us and saying thank you. He rewards those who Serve him and serve him well. So that's what you stand to gain. That inner joy and sense of significance that you're involved with something so awesome as seeing people saved and life transformed. And you also get to gain whatever the eternal, eternal rewards God has that he has for those who serve him well. What do you stand to lose? The things you, you could have gained. Amen? The things you could have gained by being faithful, by participating fully. Amen? By giving yourself as unto the Lord for his glory. The things you could have gained by making it yours. You lose them when you don't make it yours. And you don't approach this opportunity God has given you with the right attitude. You lose that eternal joy that you could be experiencing. You lose the eternal rewards that you could have been inheriting as a result of you allowing God to use you. So hear me. Don't lose the rewards. Don't lose the joy. Amen? Make his vision and his mission yours. It's not the church. It's not their church. It's not Bishop Johnson's church. It's not their work. It's his work. It's the Father's business. It's your business. Make it your own. Now, when you make it your own, then making it better becomes 
easier. Okay? Because one of the differences between an employee and an owner is that many times employees just want to get. Okay? They're not willing to invest in the business. But an owner, especially those who do well in business, the greatest companies, the greatest businesses, the ones that last, the ones that make a lot of profit, the ones that, that, that really, really succeed, you check it out. I, get, I, I, was, I would dare to say 100% of those businesses have people who, because they own the business, see it as in their interest, in the interest of the business, sees it as something good to always be making their business better, their product better, their service better. They're motivated. When you make it your own, then you're motivated to make it better. All right? I've made this my own, so I'm always asking myself, how can I or how can we make it better? Nobody has to tell me that. Okay? But because I have made this mission, this vision of God mine, I'm always, the reason we're having this meeting tonight is because I'm trying to make it better. Okay? I'm saying, listen, if we're going to do what we need to do, the culture has to be right. That's no matter what the programs are, if the culture isn't right, we're not going to experience the kind of results. So I need all the leaders, all the workers, in fact, all the members of the church to make it their own so we can work together in collaboration in order to make it better. Okay? And that's exactly what I'm hoping, if you're not there yet, you will get there after the night. That you say, you know what, this is mine. This, is, this, this vision is my vision. This is my mission. This is my assignment from God. And I want to see it succeed. Amen? Hallelujah. Therefore, you and I will make it better. All right. So let me stop there. Any questions, comments? And then we'll look at what's on the, on the screen, maybe. Any questions, comments? Okay. All right, so let me, let, me, let, me, let me open for, instead of me just continuing the lecture, uh, if we agree that we're going to embrace this, we're going to make it our business to create and establish at Harvest a culture that says we're always trying to make it better. What are some practices that we need to inculcate um, as ministry leaders, as pastors, as church workers? Give me a few practical things that we need to start doing to actually translate this idea as in our heads into reality so that next year when we get together, we can say, wow, this is not really not something we're aiming for. This is something we're experiencing. Any suggestions? I'm sorry. Let's get a mic, please. Speak louder than me, try to hear. Sorry. I was saying that we should always review the results that we're getting. 
and see if it's what we're doing is working. Okay, very simple, but critical, right? You always, I said it earlier, but we got to make it, I have to do it, the, church, the directors need to do it, the ministry leaders need to do it, and every member, every church worker, every member really needs to always be asking us, how can we make it better? And listen to me, when you say make it better, you're not just talking about your particular ministry. Don't just be concerned about the praise and worship ministry if that's where you are. Sure, that, that's a primary area of your focus, but, but if it's the mission is yours, then you're not just concerned about the praise and worship. If it, the mission, is yours, then you're not just concerned about the women's ministry or the men's ministry. Right? Yeah, your primary focus might be there, but if you come in and you look up and you see that week after week, the stage doesn't look presentable. Huh? Every time when I get up there, I see stuff. Right? If you get there, you say, wait a minute, this stage doesn't look what it should be. Don't just leave it to whoever is supposed to take care of that. If this is yours, and this is your business, and you know the appearance of the stage will attack your business, which is the father's business, don't you think you should, you should ask yourself, now what can we do to make that better? Or who should I talk to? and bring this to their attention, because I may not be able to do it, but I can bring it to somebody's attention who may be able to do it. Right? If you go into the bathroom, in the bathroom, and there's, there is stuff, uh, paper towel on the floor, or where it's not supposed to be, do you walk in out? Do you walk in and just leave it there? Or do you say, you know what? This is my business, because a dirty bathroom could cause somebody who needs to get saved not to come back. Yeah, somebody comes as a guest, goes to the bathroom, the bathroom is dirty, that person says, hey, I'm not going back to that church. It's amazing the kinds of things that cause people to return or not to return, right? So if you walk into the bathroom and there's paper towel there, if it's your business, what do you do? Yeah, you pick it up, or if, if it's such that you, you, you find a way to make sure that that situation is taken care of, right? If the children's ministry needs help, okay, and you may not necessarily feel called to that, but if it's your business and for a period of time you can help, if it's your business, then help. Can you imagine if that becomes not just words, an ideal that we're aiming for, but actually becomes a reality? Let's say one year from now, this is really now the way we do business at Harvest. Because you who are here have set the example and you have inspired others to do the same. I believe the soil in which the programs and the word are being planted here, the soil will be right for us to begin to see even greater results. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, okay, it's 9 o'clock. And I'm challenging you. Yeah, go ahead, Pastor Pete. Um, I hear what you say, Bishop. Suppose, like you said, I should take ownership. But it's not my ministry. It's somebody else's ministry. But I see something's wrong there. But the person is not open for help. So, yes, I hear you say we should make it ours. But then we all should permit people to take it. 
We should have that mindset as leaders that I'm vulnerable and whatever I'm doing, it does not only belong to me, it belongs to all of us. And therefore, I welcome suggestions, I welcome criticism from the owners of God's work. Yeah, so, so that's good. But now, if we embrace and make it a culture of making it better, then that wouldn't be a problem, right? If, the, if the, all of our leaders and all our workers and everybody says, you know what, at, at Harvest, our culture, the way we do business here, we're always looking for things to make, to make things better, right? If that's our culture, then somebody comes and makes a suggestion, we're not going to be upset or take it personal, right? We're going to be open to the idea. Now, it doesn't mean I will agree. The idea may seem good to you, but it may not be necessarily what you think. But certainly the attitude should be to welcome that. Right? Our attitude, listen, we want to make it better, and, 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 and we've made it our own. And so please, I'm open to your suggestions. If you have ideas of how we can do things better, please share them with me. Okay? Because that's how we make it better. Okay? Not every idea that is suggested would be an idea that we take. But the idea is you, you make these suggestions because you really believe that it may be helpful. Okay. Any questions, comments? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Could we have more than one person using the uh, carrying the mics around? So, can we have one person covering this side and one person this side? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. To make it yours, you have to be intentional to know that it's yours, and you are totally sold out to the mission with total commitment. Yeah. Exactly. So tonight we're saying, please, when you leave here. Let this be intentional going forward that you're making this yours now. All right? Yeah, I also want to add that uh, once we make it ours, we really uh, accept that this is our house. It makes it easier because some people, I can say like for me, I came from a Catholic background and when I was uh, attending the Catholic church, I just went to church and then I left. You know, but thank God for this house where I got born again and I'm being taught the word of God and knowing that I'm a child of the house. So this is my house. And knowing that this is my house uh, and I know that every joint supplies. So it's not every little bit, you know, that I bring to the table. There's something that God has put in me. We thank God for our bishop. We thank God for the pastors, you know. So we see that, oh, only them, but everybody has something to contribute to the entire, you know, running of the church. So seeing ourselves like, okay, God brought you here, and there's something, no matter how little, every join. I was even, like, uh, discipling somebody yesterday. I said, you know what, let's not look at the, the big, you know, like, uh, arteries, the capillaries, because we're using like the body as an example that each joint supply, but then even the large vein, the small capillaries in your body, they supply. If they are, they are actually ruptured, it's going to cause a major problem in your body. So every joint supplies. Everybody brings something. Amen. So for the sake of time, let me just I think this is very simple. Let's all intentionally always ask ourselves how can we make it better next time? Just make it Make it, make it yours first, and I hope I've given you enough reasons to make it yours. Now that you've made it yours, always ask yourself, how can we make it better next week, next month? And 
There may just be small little things you notice that just need improvement. Sometimes it'll be big, many times it's the small things. You keep improving small things over time, it makes a big difference. Don't wait until the problem is big before you fix it. You know, one of the things I say, and I don't know whether we're actually doing it, Maria, are we doing it? I'm saying we shouldn't wait until the place, the, the place is dirty before we paint it. You know, some places, you know, they won't paint for years until the place is very dirty, then they paint. No, as soon as you see a little bit of, whether it's ink on the wall or whatever dirt, deal with it as soon as you see it. It's, you know, if we can solve the little problems, then we don't have to deal with the big ones. So look at your ministry team or look at the way you're doing work and say, how can I make it different? Let me, let me, let me, let me give you a problem, okay? that we talked about in, in, in our pastor's meeting last week. We said on Sunday, on Sunday, this past Sunday, at the beginning of the service, the service starts at 10 o'clock. And I, I'm not sure when I got up, maybe 10.25, 10.30 I got up, and the place really was still empty. And, you know, I know people come late, but it was bad on Sunday, right? So... I, when, I, when I got out, I said, what happened? I was away from one week. What the people did to the congregation? <laughs> but it was, the attendance was, I mean, it was just empty. But, you know, I don't know when they came in, but by the time the service ended, you know, it was pretty much what we would expect on a Sunday morning at this time, right? So the question we had to ask was why? Thank you. We got to make it better, right? Right? We can look at the problem and say, oh, that's uh, all we can say, you know, how can we make it better? How can we make it better? That's a question we have to ask. Because better would be for everybody to be there on time. And of course, we had different reasons. People were given different reasons why they think that was the case. Uh, I use myself as an example. I said, you know, I've been, let me confess, I've been coming late. And I justify I'm preparing to preach. So, you know, I'm going over the word, I'm praying in tongues, amen. So what I'm doing is spiritual, right? So I can justify, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm preparing to preach. So, but no, I should be here. Now, now if I mess up on Sunday, I can't believe all of you will be looking at me. <laughs> but really, right? First of all, if we're going to make it better, the leaders have to set the example. Huh? I, it's hypocritical. For me to tell the people, you got to be here in time, and I'm late. So how can we make it better? Well, one of the ways we can make it better is for the leaders, and I'm guilty. I don't know about the other people. I come too late to know when they come. <laughs> but all of us as leaders really need to set the example, and not just the pastors, all of your elders and deacons and everybody else. Right? We need to be there on time. That's one way we can make it better. By showing up on time. Secondly, referring to myself, I said, you know what? And I'm confessing. I said when I was in Damascus, it took me 40 minutes to get here. And I got here about 10 minutes after almost every Sunday. By the time I parked and get into this service, it was 10.15. I said, now I've moved, and I'm not telling you how close I am, but I'm real close. <laughs> it literally takes me five minutes now to get to church. But I'm still getting here 10, 15 minutes late. So, why? Let's make it better, right? 
If I'm serious about making it better, I gotta ask myself, why is it that when you are 40 minutes away, you got your 10 minutes late, <laughs> now you're five minutes away, you're still getting here 10 minutes late. What needs to change? And I know what needs to change. You know what needs to change? When I get up in the morning, instead of going straight to my notes and trying to go over my notes and trying to fix things and then go get dressed, because what happens is I'm, 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 I'm working on the notes. I'm, oh, it's, but by the time I get dressed, it's already after nine. Right? I can't leave the notes and come. I got to leave the notes and go get dressed. So what if I changed it around? What if when I got up, the first thing I did was to get dressed? Then I go to my notes. Then if I say, well, I got to leave the house at least 15 minutes to get here in time. At 9.45, I can close my notes, get in my car, and still get here in time. Because I will already be dressed. If I change that, you will see me here on time. So the Sundays I'm on time, that's what I did. <laughs> but I'm going to do better, right? Because I got to lead by example. But you see, we got to ask that question. If we don't ask it, it will never get fixed. So hopefully when we start setting the example, we can speak with more, more authenticity when we challenge the folks to be on time because we ourselves are on time. All right? And then what needs to happen, I don't, you know, I don't think people just choose to be late. I think many people are in the same state that I'm in, I was in. The way they plan their morning causes them to, if they just change the way they organize themselves in the morning, they'll be here on time. Until they do that, they'll always be late. So anybody here in the same boat as I'm in? So make it better, right? Look at, look at what you're doing. Make a greater effort to be here where? On time. So on time is actually a few minutes before 10. Okay? So always be asking yourself personally, how can I make it better? As a minister team, how can we make this better next week or next month? Always ask that. Because if you ask those questions and start reflecting, often you will see small things and sometimes big things that can be better. And that's how it becomes a way of life for us. And the net effect of all of us doing that is that the culture of the church will change, you follow me? And growth will become much easier. Comments, questions? Okay. Am I boring you? Okay, because right now I'm feeling self-conscious. So let me, we don't have a lot of time, but I want us to go ahead and do this. Because again, we're talking about the culture. And the culture really reflects your values. Okay? So our values will determine to a large degree our culture, the way we do things. Okay? So Harvest has a set of values, which is in a book somewhere, and most of you don't even know. Right? So if it's in a book and it's not shared, guess what's happening? We're not all establishing the same values, right? So let's do this. We use an acronym to help us show 
what are the values? In other words, these are the things that we consider important here. All right? Uh, we'll, we'll be done by 9.30, I promise you, okay? So, it, so it's, it's about 20 more minutes and then we'll be done. Okay, so here are the seven harvest values. Let's say them together. Holiness, adaptability, respectfulness, valor, enterprising, servanthood, and teamwork. Now, those are seven words, and what do they mean to you? All right? I have a description of what I believe they mean. But before I show you what I believe they mean, I want us to take a few minutes and quickly say what we believe it means or what that means to you, okay? So when we say that one of the values that we have at Harvest is holiness, what we're saying is one of the things that we consider very, very important here, okay, is this business of holiness, okay? So this is a value. So whatever we're doing, however we're doing it, we want to make sure that we do it from a perspective of holiness, okay? That's a value. If you're, if you're an usher, we want you to usher with this value in mind, holiness. If you are a preacher, preach with this value in mind, holiness. Children's worker, choir member, always keep holiness in mind and strive to express holiness in all you do. What does that mean? One or two persons quickly. What does that, what does that say to you? In terms of your ministry, yes, over there, quickly. Oh, there's a mic. Please use a mic. To Do we me, have two mics on the floor? We have two mics? Okay. To me, it means the Holy Spirit lives inside of each servant to teach us and lead us in whatever um, our calling is. Holiness for you means the Holy Spirit lives inside, lives inside of us and teaches us. Right, into whatever calling. Yeah. Okay, so it, it, for you, it reminds you of the presence and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in and through us. So, okay, someone else. Yes, Elder Bangi. Um, when I think about serving with holiness, I think about serving my, render my serving, it's like, in other words, consider my service sacred, you know? You do things realizing that God is involved, so it's sacred. It's not just ordinary. Yeah. So that's what I see. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Could you put, could you put the, my, 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 the words I have, how I expressed it? Okay. Thank you. Let's read it together. We believe we are holy and have been set apart by the Lord for the Lord, and the work we're doing is therefore holy work. We therefore place high value on doing our work as an act of worship and are motivated in all we do to bring him maximum glory. Okay? Is that another paragraph or is that it? Okay, let's read it. We are mindful God chose us for himself and the service we render is to him first and foremost. Ours, therefore, is the holy calling that requires we set ourselves apart from the world of sin, consecration, in order that we may serve him acceptably in reverence and godly fear. So, again, obviously we're going to have to read that over and over. We'll give that to you so you can have it. 
But we really, really want all of us to start just meditating on this. You know, at Harvest, we really, really value holiness. We, we've, we see ourselves as indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We see ourselves as set apart for God. We see the work that we do as a holy work, as an act of worship unto God. Therefore, we do it with godly reverence and fear, as unto the Lord and not unto me. So that becomes our motivation. Okay? Which means you're not doing anybody a favor by serving. I'm not doing you a favor by being your pastor. You're not being a, doing me a favor by being an usher or a worship leader. No, this is holy unto the Lord. This is worship. This is your reasonable service to Christ. You got it? Yes, sir. All right, let's go to the, to the other one. Adaptability, one or two persons. What does that mean? If adaptability is a value that we have here, we want that to be something we believe in and we practice. Someone tell me what that means to you. Constantly willing to observe and make changes as needed to be suitable in whatever condition you are in. All right, great. Let's just, let, 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 for the sake of time, thank you. Let's read the paragraph. Let's read it together. Things don't always go as planned. We therefore value flexibility and are willing to change when circumstances require we do so. It should not be about having our preferred way. We will keep the big picture in mind and subordinate our preferences to the greater good of the team, the mission, the organization. Our goal is to keep making it better. Okay? That has to be a value, right? Not, you know, we can't be the people as it was in the beginning. It's now, well, how does it go? As it was in the beginning? It's not, as, huh? And it should now and shall ever be, right? No, no. <laughs> Things change. Yes, we need to plan, and we need to plan well. But then you got to be flexible. You got to adapt. Every winning team, every champion team that win trophies, that win uh, uh, championships, they're flexible on the field, right? They have their plan. They practice. But when they go on the field, things change. They adapt, right? So hear me, please. We got to be flexible. Okay? You, you did something this year and it went well. And you did something next year and it went well. Great. Doesn't mean that the following year we got to keep doing it. Because you like it. You follow me? Circumstances may change or they may have um, new opportunities may have prevented themselves. Needs may have arisen that we can address. So please, please, you've got to be flexible. Listen to me. And being flexible means you cannot take it personal when changes are introduced or changes are asked of you. You cannot make it personal. This is my ministry. This is the way I want it done. This is the way I have done it. And if you change it now, then you, you take it personal as though it's a rejection of you. Okay? So flexibility is extremely important. Let me, let me give you an example here. That I went to see a foot doctor the other day. He's a, what do you call it? Diatrist. Uh -huh. A diatrist. Okay? 
uh, because my, my left foot was had been sore last, so I just went to, he, he called me in the room, and he just looked at my foot. And he did some things and did some things you know, and had me. And then he gave me what he thought was the problem. And he's shook. I'm going to say he's here, praise God. He's here, praise God. He, he shook my hand, and, and I left, right? He didn't ask me anything else about me. All he was concerned about was my foot. He knew a lot about the foot. He was a specialist in fixing the foot. Amen? He went to school to fix the foot. Amen? He was excited about fixing feet. And when I went up, when I went to see him, all he looked at, <laughs> he sent me home. He didn't do a blood test. He didn't check my heart. He didn't, he didn't, nothing. Now, I could have had a problem with my heart. I could have had a problem with my lungs. Something else could have been quote unquote, God forbid in Jesus' name. But something else could have been a much bigger problem that threatened my life. But because he was interested in, that's all he looked at, and he didn't care about anything else. You follow me? Some of us in the church, we have our pet ministry. We have the thing that we're passionate about. We have our specialization. We know a lot about the foot. We don't care what happened to your head. <laughs> we don't care what's happening to your heart. All we're concerned about how's your foot doing. Amen. And as long as your foot is being taken care of, we're happy. And if you try to say anything that might affect what you're doing to the foot, contrary to what, uh-huh, you, you, you're upset. Because wait a minute, we always used to take care of the foot. Now how come you want to do something to take care of the head? This is the point I'm making. Sometimes there are competing interests. Hmm? If you could only get one, you know, they got many types of doctors, right? If you could only choose one type of doctor, what kind of doctor would you choose? I would choose a general practitioner, right? Maybe he doesn't know much. He doesn't know as much about the foot as the as the podiatrist. But man, I want somebody who, when he's making decisions concerning my well-being, will not just look at my foot. He will look at all of me. And sometimes he will discover. Hear me. That what's happening in the foot. If I try to save the foot. The leg is going to suffer. If I try to save the foot, the body will die. So sometimes you try to save the foot, but you realize, you know, right now, we've got to choose between saving the foot or saving the leg or saving the foot or saving the body. So you know what? As much as we love the foot, at this point now, you've got to prioritize. What is going to come first, the foot or the body? As much as you want to hold on to the foot, most of us will say, cut off the foot and save my body, right? That would make sense. You want to keep the foot, but if you've got to choose between the foot and the body, most of us will say, I can live without the foot, 
I cannot live without my body. But when it comes to ministry, that often becomes a major source of conflict. Because sometimes, let me, I'm the general practitioner. I'm not a specialist. You come to me, I'm looking at the head. When I'm dealing with harvest, I'm looking at the head. I'm looking at the body. I'm looking at the toes. I'm looking at the foot. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes, in order to save the body, you got to cut off some toes or the foot. And when I'm doing that, it's not because I'm wicked. When I'm doing that, it's not because I, I want to have my way. When I do that, it's not because Bishop don't listen. The problem is all you're looking at is a foot. I'm looking at the whole. Okay? And the body doesn't just include only. The body includes harvest him you. All right? So when we come to August, hmm, and we say in August we want to focus on harvest him you. We want to focus on the vision of this work that God is doing and this mission. In August we all need to come together. Okay? And we need to prioritize what God is doing through us around the world. That's because I'm looking at the whole picture. But some of you will get upset. Because in looking at the whole picture, I may be having to say to you, please, for this month, don't do anything else. You hear me? For this month, please, Everybody, stop whatever you're doing, and let's all focus. I know usually you prioritize the praise and worship, or usually you prioritize the men's men, or usually you prioritize the small groups. But this month, please, let's all of us make this the priority. I'm doing it because I'm not just looking at the foot. I'm looking at. So please, be flexible. Okay, be willing to adapt. Share with me your thoughts. I'm open. But if I kind of disagree with you because I've seen some other priorities, please be flexible. Embrace it. You may not be feeling good about me that right now. You may not be liking me right now. You may not be agreeing with me right now. I may be netanayu to you, but we got to fulfill the mission. In Jesus' name, amen? amen. Be flexible, okay? So we're run, I'm going to have to stop. We'll continue, but here, let me just run through the others. Respectfulness is, is the other. Uh, go ahead, show the. Show the, show the uh, we attach high value to everyone because of the high value God attaches to them and the high price Jesus was willing to pay for them. We therefore will treat, honor, and speak to every person the way we want to be treated honored and spoken to, especially when we're not in agreement with them. We understand that people forget a lot of things, but they do not forget how we make them feel. Okay? So one of our values here is that, you know, we want to always make people, no matter, if you disagree, fine, but still treat people with respect. Disagree in a way that doesn't make people feel disrespected by the way you disagree. Okay? So let's work on that. Valor. Let's, let's 
We will endeavor to act boldly and courageously in doing God's will and fulfilling our assignment from him. We will remember God is with us and he has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. In the face of great challenges, we will believe that we can do all things through Christ. That greater is he that which is in us, that he always causes us to triumph and that in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We have overcome the fear of death because Christ arose triumphant from the grave. So courage and valor. Enterprising. We value work and are willing to work hard to accomplish our assignments. We won't look for excuses. We will work for solutions. We will take the initiative, be innovative, seize opportunities, and prioritize good planning. We will work with the Lord and each other to find a way to get the job done, to bring in the harvest, to win the loss at all costs. Amen. Servanthood. Jesus is our model. Like the Son of Man, we won't seek to be served but to serve, not to get but to give. We understand we're called by God to give him our best, so we will gladly give our valuable time, talents, and mature resources on behalf of our mission and for the glory of God. We will rely on the Holy Spirit and remember the path of service. It's the path to what? Greatness. We know that we will not be remembered nor rewarded for what we receive, but for what we give. Next verse. Our next teamwork. We are one body. We partake of one spirit. We share one Lord. We therefore shall endeavor to maintain the unity of the spirit and to employ the power of unity and collaboration during God's work. We know this to be his will and his way. We will depend upon the Lord for the power to be long-suffering, patient, and forgiving of one another. Instead of seeking to make a name for ourselves or pursuing individual greatness, we will combine our efforts in Christ by his grace. We'll do our part and help others to do theirs. We understand that one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand to flight. So, we rush through that, and we will, we, will, we will send that to you, and we will go over this over and over again, and we're asking you to go over it over and over again. But these are the values that we want to hold dear. These are the values that we want to guide us in the way we interact with each other, in the way we do ministry. Let these things be prominent. Let's keep aiming for it. All right? So now I conclude. Here's the way I conclude. A commitment. Here's my request. This is what I ask of you. I ask... Basically, that you would help us create a culture of continuous improvement and a culture of collaboration. Next week, when we, when we meet, we'll deal more with the collaboration piece. But in order for that to happen, there are two things that you have to do. One, make it yours. Two, make a commitment that you will always be making it better. So we're going to launch Operation Make It, your, make it Yours and make it better. Let's say that. Operation, make it yours, and make it better. One more time. Operation, make it yours, make it better. One more time. Operation, Now here's the challenge for every one of you who are directors and leaders of ministries and involved in ministry. Please take this message to those who are not here. All right? And please model it for them. Keep reminding them of it. Do your best to describe what you heard tonight to them so that what you heard doesn't die here. It goes from here to others and hopefully it expands until the idea of the ideal becomes our reality. In Jesus' name, if the culture is right, then the programs will produce tremendous results. If the culture is not right, the programs will underperform. Oftentimes, you start off and it fails because you don't have the culture to sustain it. All right? Thank you all for coming.